I'm in the kitchen, you in the kitchen. You ain't cooking up. We cooking up, chopping up. D King. Lay down. Trap side, rap side, Don and the King. Gonna do it. We gonna do it. Chop it up. Yeah. Peace and good evening, and welcome back to Chopping It Up with the Conduit. This is a bonus episode today. Father's Day special, and our special guest today is none other than Mr. Curtis Schoon. Uh, today's podcast is powered by Grown Fresh NYC. You already see Fly Immigrants. You know, go check them out, support them, and uh, check out our new website, choppingituppodcast.com. And if you would like to become a sponsor, you know, just hit us up and We'll do our best to uh, bring you in and helping us grow this thing. Uh, yes, it's been a while. And, um, you know, we were taking a break. But, uh, of course, I had a Father's Day special last year during the pandemic. And our special guest was Mr. Dick Gregory. Well, Christian Gregory, his son. And this year came around, didn't think was going to do anything. But lo and behold, you know, a uh, personal friend, OG and mentor of mine, uh, Mr. Curtis Schoon, decided to join us on this special Sunday. And today we are going to uh, really chop it up. Um, I want to thank everybody for joining us. Uh, happy Father's Day to everyone. So today's guest, few people can convey life in the streets of NYC during the Reagan era more clear and provocatively than this gentleman we have here today. Um, he is the author of the book Queens Reign Supreme, which also happened to catch infamous hashtag Schoon TV. If y'all were a part of the good old Twitter days, uh, you should know your history. Um, this man has been uh, in the game for roughly almost, not even 20 years, going on 30 years here. Uh, it's not even in hip hop, just you know, amongst the scenes, doing things in TV, film, production, writing so uh without further ado you know uh i would like to introduce my mentor uh the snake charmer the og <laughs> yes yes the snake charmer the og you know, the oh, author, producer and writer mr curtis schoon peace what's happening everybody? i'm doing well brother uh welcome to chopping it up with the conduit um i really want to thank you for taking your time out today on you know this father's day and happy father's day to you as well and listen, one thing though, I wasn't the author of Queen's Reign Supreme. I was the, I was the contributor, sole contributor, and it was my idea. I gra I crafted it and everything. Yeah, but, you crafted it all. Yeah, yeah but yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't and Ethan was and Ethan was trying to take uh full credit, but uh we know the the hashtag Schoon TV uh obliterated all that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I set the record straight, you know. But yeah, he is the author though. Indeed, indeed. Mm -hmm. All right, so um. I would like to uh, start off, if you, if you don't mind, you know, I think you are not connected probably back in maybe 2011, 2012, but that was just off email. You know, I, I, I sought you out because I seen your story on uh, a platform, you know, and it was concerning some things that we will get into later. Mm -hmm. But um, I know I reached out to you and you were just, you know, very gracious you know, with your time and, you know, with your wisdom and your knowledge on certain things. But, you know, you also decided to, you know, go ahead and, you know, meet up with me in person just to see who I was, not just this person behind the keyboard. 
And, um, you know, I remember broaching the idea to you of joining Twitter. So at that time, I want to know what was your hesitancy about the social media platform altogether? Well, I'm a, I'm an old dude, an older dude. Um, and I did not, I didn't really know what it was about the self-promotion, the, the marketing and all that it was kind of foreign to me. And not only that, you got to understand the way I lived my life previously. Yes. I lived my life trying to be discreet and staying below the radar. Right. And everything about social media is about, you know, being on the radar. Right. But I, after you made the suggestion to me, I, um, I had some considerations because I had received some bad press. And, you know, I just wanted to cover up all the negative that was out there about me on the internet right? with, with, with positivity, exactly. showing, showing a different side of who I am. Because when other people describe you and define you, especially when they never met you or never dealt with you, they really have no idea. A lot of times they go along with stereotypes and what have you. Right. And, and I think most people, probably 98% of people who meet me find that I'm very different from what they expected. Yes. Very, very, very and, different. And I wanted, I wanted everybody to know that regardless of what they were saying, that, you know, that, that wasn't the whole story. Right. Do I, do I have, do I have certain sides of me that, you know, a dark, everyone does, you know, yes. but man, I, I try to spend most of my time in the light. You know what I mean? Indeed. Indeed. All right. So what really got the ball rolling was the start of the hashtag Schoon TV. And, you know, I know you said earlier about uh, wanting to be more discreet about certain things. But, uh, you know, after seeing the reaction and the engagement, I'm sure a light bulb went off. Oh, yeah. You know, because I was doing the normal, just tweeting philosophical stuff, things that I thought was witty and wise. And they were, but they were coming from me. And nobody knew me. Right. And unfortunately, we live in a brand recognition world, society. And uh, you got to be somebody in the mind of these people. Not saying that you're a nobody if they don't recognize you. But in order for them to receive you, you have to be somebody to them. Right. So I, I, I leaned on the only thing that I really had, which I, I didn't really want to do. But Indeed. I started telling, telling, my, telling my story. Yeah. About my background. Yeah. You know, because a lot of people, you know, everybody used the phrase that, you know, they from the streets and all that. And, and don't get me wrong. I don't think being from the streets makes anyone any more special than anyone else. But I do think when you're from that world and really from that world, you learn about things a different way. Right. You right. know, and that education is kind of, it's, it's, it's rough because people pay they pay sometimes with their life, you know, and that's different than failing a class or dropping a class where your GPA going down, you know what I mean? Like, yo, so that, that's the difference there. The difference with me is I'm used to being in high risk situations with my life on the line, whether it be on the block or, or in a courtroom. Right. And, and, and I'm not bragging about that. That's not a feather in my cap. That's just, the circumstances that made me who I am, which will make me very different from
from people who didn't go through those things. Right. Um, I, I know personally definitely different because I know during that time when the buzz started to catch and the more engagement started to come, uh, of course, more followers started coming and more popularity. But in that instance, the keyboard, the keyboard investigators and the lawyers started to pop up just because of that certain situation that you were, quote unquote, they said alleged to have been, you know, connected to, which was, all right, the unsolved murder of Jam Master J. So uh -huh. I, know, I know for the past 18 plus years, you know, you've been dealing with this accusation. And I just want to know, since August 17th of 2020 last year, you know, when you've been clearly vindicated, you know, in my personal opinion, you know, the apology should be as loud as the educate, you know, the accusations, but uh, that's neither here nor there. We already know how certain people move, you know, they want to say one thing and they keep it that way. But I want to know, you know, what has that been on you personally to, to carry that for so long, but then to get that, you know, that final vindication and knowing you was right the whole time? But uh, if, if I'm being really, really honest, man. Um, Be honest, Goon. Yo, look. You always, you always been honest with me? All right. I, well, I, I'm, I'm going to be blunt, bluntly honest. Okay. Um, the most, the, the hardest time for me was the first week after that incident. Mm -hmm. once, once I made my legal maneuvers, and it, it was revealed that they weren't even gonna charge me or arrest me. Right. I just, it was just, I mean, I'm used to being under pressure, man. You know, that that was a lot of pressure because I wasn't in a position. But more than anything, dealing with that for 18 years, yeah. I had that stigma on me. Right. And and people have to understand, even when I was tweeting, even when I did interviews, even now, right. I, I have to be careful of my words because it is still an unsolved crime. You understand? Mm -hmm. So yeah. when I did the book and I did American Gangster and I did all these other things, they don't even understand the line that I was walking like only I can walk it. Right. Because there was, there's always people who are hovering, waiting for you to say something to step on a landmine. Mm. And the fact that I never stepped on a landmine in 18 years, mm -hmm. that, that says a lot. Now there's two people who are, um, who are charged with that crime. Right. And, and I'll be honest with you, just, just the G and me makes me say, look, even though it's beneficial to me, I'm not going to go ahead and say that they did it because I don't know who did it. Right. And I and just like someone tried to, you know, pin it on me, somebody could be pinning it on them. I don't know. Exactly. I mean, the two individuals in question, they some shady, sketchy dudes. You know what I mean? I already, <laughs> I already know the signs behind that because. But, but, but I'm not big on, on pointing fingers right. at people in serious situations. And I wish more of us was like that because if we were, I would have never been in this situation myself. In the first place. You know, we cry about 
the criminal justice system and all this. However, no one calls the police more than us. Hmm. No one testifies against us more than us, you know? So we yes. have the power to minimize the effects of what we call an unfair and just, uh, justice system. However, right. there's a lot of bias there, man. If, if, if people don't like you, they'll call the police on you. People been calling the police on me all my life, man. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yo, <laughs> and, and, and I, I'm just saying. And, and also, man, what I really want to say is that more than anything, right, forget all these hecklers in the crowd. That's right. None, none of Jay's family or closest friends have ever reached out to me and said, yo, man, we was wrong. We apologize for what we put you through. Because that's the apology that I, that I would value the most. These old random people on Twitter talking crazy and all that, you know, goofballs like Talib Kweli. I mean, he, he's a guy that talk reckless, but I can't say anything in kind because, you know, he's known for, for rapping and DJing and I'm known for other things. See, if I say something crazy, people might believe it. Nobody's mm. going to believe anything he says. So in social media, and that's why I was reluctant to get on social media back in the day. Right. It was an unfair advantage. It put me in a space where people were used to saying things to anybody and everybody, any right. kind of way, with no kind of repercussions. And I come from a world where repercussions are the law. Exactly. You know what I mean? So exactly. it, it, Justice. Took some, it took some adjusting for me. And I just had to realize that, you know what, man, this is a different time. I'm kind of like a dinosaur out here. So I just let these people do what they do. And I'm trying to stay out their way. I'm not telling them to stay out my way. I, I try to stay out their way and just let them do what they do, man. Yeah, for someone who claims to be a dinosaur, man, you you moving kind of swift out here, Scoon. Oh, man, look. I'm, 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 I'm a personal witness, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, you know, as being a witness of, you know, around to the, you know, the landscape of things that you have been around, um, you took those things and made it your art. So um, I want to talk about black, white, and blue. All right. Well, let's give it to the people. Let's talk about it. You know, your documentary. And, and, and let's build on, on why you felt it was the need to, you know, put that narrative out there, your piece of art. Well, Black, White, and Blue is a film mm -hmm. made by us telling our story. We don't control yes. our narratives. When you see movies like, say, it's documentaries like Say Her Name or the Khalif Browder story or the Central Park Five story or any of these documentaries about our trials and tribulations, our struggles, they're never done by us. They may mm. throw a celebrity name in there like a Jay-Z or something, but Jay-Z's not a filmmaker, he's a brand. He's a brand used to get us to tune in. When you go through the credits, you go to any one of those documentaries, I challenge anybody listening, watching, go to the IMDB and go through all of those documentaries about black, black injustice and so on and so forth, and you'll be shocked to see how many people who don't look like us are working on that project. Hmm. And of course, when they work on the project, it's not because they genuinely care about us. It's because they want to use that trauma to their advantage in some respect. And really, you can't blame them, right? Because right. they put up the money, 
they got the access, they got the, the net, Netflix and HBO and all this other stuff. So of course they're gonna promote things that mean something to them. Sometimes it's beneficial to us. Sometimes it has nothing to do with us. So Black, White and Blue for me was a way for us to do our own stories. And I'm not a millionaire, I'm not rich, none of that, but I funded the project myself. Yeah. And myself and Asia, we, Asia Norris, who directed the film, young black female filmmaker, we yeah. did we did 85% of the work between the two of us. Now here's the, here's the catch. What I learned the hard way was that all of these documentaries are meant to shape a narrative, mm. to guide us, steer us, control our thought and steer us politically. A lot of people don't want to hear that, but there's always some hidden agenda there. It doesn't mean that they're lying, or, but it, it means that the truth is delivered in a way that's beneficial to the, to the, to the producers. To the that are, the yeah, that are portraying the story. Yeah, you're the ones telling the story. See, the mistake I made right. when I did Black, White, and Blue Agenda, I was all about just getting all the different perspectives in our community. Some of them were opposing each other. But to me, I think that's the best way to, to tell our story. Because we're not mm -hmm. a monolith. You see what I'm saying? All of us right. don't believe the same things. All of us don't agree with the same thing. And that is fine. But then people who seek to control us, they need us all to be lockstep with every single issue so we could vote as a block and they could just tally it up. You understand hmm. what I'm saying? The diversity in the, uh, is not really allowed within our community. You're right. The people who seek to exploit us. And I also want to say those people are not Republicans. And I'm not, I'm not here advocating for Republicans, but the Republicans really do very little outreach with black people. Those people are Democrats. It is the Democratic Party, the liberal left, that wants to control our thinking and our, our vote. Hmm. They count on it. You know what I mean? Like so. And, and, and in your opinion, what you know, in your opinion over the years, what has that done? You know, for us as a community. Well, I, you know, if we're sitting around complaining about the same things that were going on in the '60s, you every four years, yourself, you got to ask yourself that. You know, if you vote Democrat every single four years, whether it be for mayor, president, governor, or whatever, mm -hmm. and and. and and nothing changes, who do you blame? Do you blame Republicans? They don't owe you anything because you gave them nothing. You gave the Democrats your vote. So why are you worried about the Republicans? You got to hold the Democrats to the fire. You understand what I'm saying? And again, I'm nonpartisan. Personally, I'm an independent. Independent, I, yes. I think all Americans should be independent and let the politicians earn their vote. Sometimes, depending on where you are, that politician might be a Republican, depending on what your tax bracket is. You may say, you know what? This, what he's talking about is going to be beneficial to me and my family and my legacy. You know, but when you just blindly go with somebody because, you know, they're talking about race. I mean, racism to me is like terrorism. You know how America says there's terrorists somewhere so they can send troops in there? How many? <laughs> Locally, Racism is the, is the terrorism. Racism is that thing that gives them cause to rally everybody, work them up emotionally, and exploit them. Racism is going to always be here because racism really is just an, another form of classism, mm. especially when you take black and you associate poverty and low income and low education with being black. 
which is a disrespect to all of us. When exactly. they say things like blacks don't know how to use the computer or blacks don't know how to get ID, so we need to make it where they can vote without ID. Every black person I know has ID. You understand? There's a lot of disrespect there because they kind of talk like we are incompetent, mm. like we are helpless. Mm. And that's how they need us to be. And guess what? Some of us are helpless, yeah. but some of them are helpless too. True you indeed. Know, you know, helpless people don't have a color or ethnic group. There's help, there's helpless people in every demographic. Man. Well, it's funny that you said that because I know you, you know, in the political field working with Mr. Coleman A. Young out of Detroit. You know, so how did you uh become involved with Mr. Coleman A. Young and how did you get involved with Detroit? Because you know, I know you're already out there also directing a STEM program for children, which a lot of people don't talk about. Listen, so, people don't, people just talk, right? They yeah. don't really know what's going on, right? Mm -hmm. So they, they, because of my views, because I don't toe the line and I don't, I don't march to nobody's beat, right? Right. People who do, they sit around and, and they try to figure you out. Mm -hmm. Why isn't he like me? Right. If he's right. That means I'm wrong. So he got to be wrong so I could be right. Mm -hmm. I, met, I met Coleman when I was filming Black, White, and Blue. Black, White, and Blue. I yeah. didn't even know who he was. I went to Detroit because they, they, in Michigan Flint, near Detroit, they had the, the water crisis at the time. Right. And when I went to Detroit for the first time in 2016, it looked like a war zone. Mm. It literally looked like a third world country with abandoned houses everywhere. It had over 100,000 abandoned houses in Detroit. This was a result of the mortgage crisis of 2008 with the subprime loan situation. Right, right. So black people just, they got, you know, they abandoned their homes, they got put out, whatever. And it was an 86% black city at the time. Right. I was appalled, man. I'm a black dude and I go there. I've never been there before. And, and I felt for my people so much. I looked at Coleman when I met him I was like, well, shit, we need to get Coleman in office. Mm -hmm. and, and I told Asia after we interviewed him that he was going to run for mayor. I knew that because his father was the first black mayor of Detroit. Of Detroit, the, yeah. The Honorable Coleman Young Sr. Mm -hmm. And he was mayor for 20 years. And Coleman had it in, he got it in his DNA. You know, he was a state senator. He won his first, um, his, 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 his first election when he was 23 years old as a state rep. Right. When I met him, I think he might have been about 34. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because I met yeah. him like four years ago in 2017. Right. So yo, I got behind him. And when, when he ran, I was the largest financial donor to his campaign. Me, Curtis Schooner, the dude from the street, so-called. So you know, mm -hmm. the, the alleged murderer and all of this. See, I do this work that everybody else be talking about. They be in front of the cameras, right. working for their little nonprofits getting their butter biscuits and towing the party line. And I really do that work. So right. I got behind him, went into my own pocket and backed him. He lost. He ran again for Congress when John Conyers stepped down. Right. I backed him for that. And he lost. And the reason why he was losing, and I learned about politics, is that it's kind of fixed. Not like they steal the votes, but in some cases they do. But mm -hmm. the Democratic Party they have their set candidates and probably the Republicans too, but I've only had dealings with the Democrats. Okay. Right. They have their set candidates that they want to win mm. and they back those candidates 
and get them the access to get the votes. And Coleman was not the guy they wanted. That they wanted. You got, you got to think about how things are going right now in this country. The, the people of choice for the system are black women. So if you're not a black woman or an openly gay black man, the system does not have a preference for you because for whatever reason, those are the people that the system is getting behind. So in order for you to win, you gotta have a real strong grassroots movement. And he just did not have that. He had a strong name. I'm gonna tell you how strong the system is, right? The current white mayor, Mike Duggan, Coleman ran against him in 2017. This is Detroit, correct? Yeah, in Detroit. But when that guy won, I forgot what year he won in, he won as a write-in candidate. In other words, the voters went in the in the booth and wrote his name on the ballot, and he won. Like, if you believe that, I got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. But that's that's the dirty game of politics. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Right. You got to spell the name right. You mean to tell me all those people went in there to cast a vote? His name wasn't on the ballot because because he joined the race too late, and everyone filled out his name in an 86% black city for a white mayor. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and, when, and when Coleman was running, there was a black woman who said, um, if his father was alive, that he would endorse Mike Duggan, the white mayor, instead of his own son. Like the, the level of bootlicking and sycophancy in the Democratic Party with black people is unbelievable. It's shameful. And again, when I'm bashing the, the Democrats, it's not because I'm pro-Republican. I'm an independent. I, I just wish more of us would think independently. Think for ourselves. Yeah. Yes, because yeah. that's the only way we're going to get things fixed. But we've given up on fixing our own problems. It's every man for himself, and everybody got to jump out there with a microphone and in front of the camera and, and audition for their butter biscuits. See what I did, boss? I said it right. Did I say everything you needed me to say, boss? You what I'm saying? That, that's who these fools are. All these, all these activist clowns and people like Mark Lamar Hill out there talking about men can get men can get pregnant. Oh, bro, I don't. Yeah, know yo, I'm listen, man. That, man. He, if you if you a black man, and you and you look to your side, and you see people like Mark Lamar Hill, well, you know you got to be on the losing team already. You understand what I'm saying? You don't want to be in a foxhole with with a fish like him. You know, but I, again, man, I'm old school and I, I'm I'm traditional. So I did that when Coleman lost in, in in the when he ran for Congress, they elected a Palestinian in a district that was mostly black because the DNC ran a multiple amount of black candidates to weaken the black vote. And that's what they do. They're gonna do that in Atlanta. You watch what I tell you. Right. It's a game, man. And yeah. there's a lot of people who act like they for us, but they against us. You know, all, 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 all skin folk ain't our kin folk. Ain't, ain't our kin folk. We got we to gotta get off this blind racial allegiance nonsense. Yeah, you know what I mean? You. Like, right. just become critical thinkers because we just getting bamboozled left and right, man. Left and right. And, and last but not least, when he lost, the next thing I did was, was uh, help him set up a consulting company followed by the STEM program. Because, you see, I care. Right. I, knew that, I, knew, I knew what I did wrong in the first two campaigns, and I had to build his credibility mm -hmm. on the ground. So he, he, he needed to be known for more than being his father's son. Right. And he's accomplished that. 
Right now, he's leading in the polls at for uh, city council at large. Right. He may end up right. being um, the president of the city council. You never know. But you know what that is? That's one step away from being the mayor. So exactly. all the work and all the money I spent we starting to see some kind of results from results. it. Because this thing is a marathon, it ain't a sprint. And we want this instant gratification, man, but when you're really, really trying to make something happen, you gotta be down for the long haul. It ain't gonna be no layups, man. Every fight you fight, you're not gonna win. But right. it, you gotta get up off that, camp, uh, that canvas and be ready to go. Hey, man, I wonder, does that make you ever think you're gonna ever run for office, office school? No, not at all. You know, at I'm, all, not even as an independent. Not even as an independent. I'm a power broker, bro. I'm, I'm not. I'm. I'm not a pontificator. I'm not a polit a politician. Mm -hmm. I can talk good, but I, it's, I'm not one of the people that like the sound of my own voice. I get more done behind the scenes mm, yes. than I can in front of the camera. Will I step out in front of the camera if need be? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Absolutely, because the things that I'm saying today, Coleman cannot say. Right. He cannot say, and I'm not part of his political campaign, so they can't penalize him for the things I say. That's but the exactly. things I'm saying need to be said. And if I was occupied an official position, I'd have to play politics and, and speak in, 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 in code and all that. And right. I tell the truth, damn it. Right. You, never, you would never want to talk in code. You're not going to start now. Exactly. Exactly. You feel exactly. me? Yeah. So, so let's, let's get, you know, behind the scenes. I, I want to... Uh, talk about you, you know, directing the STEM program. And you're always talking about, you know, the children really are the future. And, you know, you're one of the first black men that I know that's actually putting their money where their mouth is, you know. So why why did you pick Detroit? Well, a couple reasons. Strategically, it made the most sense. And, man, like I said, I've never seen black people in such despair mm. as when I went to Detroit. Mm. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm definitely not the dude out here trying to make friends to get to get a piece of some kind of money or check or nothing. In fact, I make a lot of enemies just right. by telling the truth and exposing the grifters, right? Right. But, and the, the other reason was Coleman. I believed in his, his political future. I don't know when, but eventually he's going to be the mayor of that town. Right. And I'm just doing my part to get him in there. He is a Democrat. He's a progressive. I support him. See, that's proof that I don't hate Democrats. Yeah, that's proof. You see what I'm saying? Right. That's my, my guy is a Democrat. There are things I don't agree with. But one thing we have in common, he and I both care about our people. Mm -hmm. And that's enough for me. And a lot of us, we got to get to that point, man. We keep finding reasons not to like each other, right? But we have to accentuate the things that we have in common our shared beliefs, our shared values, all of these things. We have, to get, we have to get on board and stop finding reasons not to support each other and get behind somebody who's gonna get the damn job done. True because indeed. We keep finding reasons to cancel people out. And that's why nothing gets done. Because everybody's get, trying to cancel somebody. Yeah, man, I'll get behind a Democrat, an Independent, a Republican, it don't matter. If they're going to move the damn scrimmage line, it's all good with me. I'm here for us, man. I don't give a damn about who's in the White House and all this bullshit, man. Like, man, listen, all those black people signed that, that letter demanding Joe Biden choose Kamala Harris as a VP. 
She just invited all the women in the Senate to her house for dinner. She mm. knows damn well ain't no black women in the Senate. She's in her house with all these white women. And the pictures, they're on my timeline at school TV, showed a black butler and a black maid, the servant standing to the side. It looked like a scene out of Gone with yeah, the Yeah, oh, yeah, Yo, she, and, and she looked angry. Listen, man, if, if Donald Trump or Melania Trump had, had done something like that, we'd be all over them, and rightfully so. And we should be all over her too. You know what I mean? It's disgusting. It's despicable. You know, and, and, and a lot of people got a lot to say, but they don't do nothing. The reason why our politicians are corrupt is because they can't count on us mm. to get that campaign money. So right. whoever gives them that money, that's who they serve. They get our votes because they're going to talk about police reform and this, that, the other, and blah, blah, blah. Man, we've been having these conversations for the last 60 years. 60 years. 60 right. years. Right. There's a riot that somebody may go to jail, somebody might not go to jail, and the, and the beat goes on. What our real issue is, to me, in my opinion, mm -hmm. is we don't have any kind of economic leverage. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because yeah. when you have economic leverage, you can shake things up. You can vote people out of office. Right. You, you can make the beat walker nervous because you might know somebody. It you always comes down to the capital. You might be related to somebody who can get him fired. I'll yeah. tell you a story. My business partner, his neighbor is the brother of the former mayor of DC, Adrian Fenty. Oh, Adrian Fenty, okay. Right, so Adrian Fenty's nephew was pulled over by the police right on the block outside his house. My business partner comes outside and he's, he's talking to the police. The police, an Asian cop was treating the little boy kind of rough. The little boy wasn't a bad kid. You know, he was riding a skateboard and all, a teenager. So the, the cop said there was a robbery and the guy looked just like him. We've heard this story before. Long story short, a lot of words were exchanged between my business partner and the officer. My business partner got his name, badge number and everything. He gave it to Adrian Fenty and, and, and his brother. And that cop got moved from the fourth district all the way uptown. Oh, wow. To, Toward toward eight to toward where eight. Got, got oh, set man, to the war zone. In the worst ward. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? So, but that's because the young man was connected to somebody of influence. Mm -hmm. More of us have to get in position of influence. We gotta stop feeling sorry for ourselves and understand that nobody's gonna respect us if we can't make them pay for their transgressions. As long as people feel like they can do us wrong, whether it be the police or whomever, mm. if they feel like they could do us wrong and get away with it, they're going to do that. And it's not necessarily always about racism. It's about our lack of power. We have little power and, and, and sympathy is not power. Getting mm. people to feel sorry for you does not empower you in any way. No. You understand what I'm saying? It, right. They start looking at you as a liability. You know, going back, going back to my youth, when I was living a certain way, I made sure that everybody saw me as an asset. When people see you as an asset, they will protect you. Mm. They will shield you from harm way in their own self-interest. But mm. nobody teaches these things. They right. wanted to talk about somebody owe them something. Somebody owe you something. Did you see Goodfellas? Remember, remember Maury and Goodfellas? Yes, I remember. He, he kept telling Jimmy, hey, Jimmy, what about my cut? 
You owe right. me. I put you on to this. What happened to Maury? When Jimmy got tired of Maury, they found Maury in the swimming pool uh, floating with his toupee. You understand what I'm saying? Because yeah. he didn't have any kind of power. Jimmy wasn't afraid of him. Jimmy didn't even feel he needed to pay him. And right. in, in a lot of ways, right, the black community is like Maury. And, mm. and, and we're, we're like that because we allow a lot of women, batshit crazy women, to lead us. And a half step behind them are these neutered men. You understand what I'm saying? The strongest black men aren't stepping up. I don't know why that is, but we're just not. Mm. I don't know if we want we don't want to be seen as being uh, offensive to women or whatever. The or what the angry is, black man? Or, or any of that. The bottom line is right. Be it women, men, gay, straight, whatever. If it ain't working, it ain't working, and that means we need to we need to shift strategy. Right. And it ain't working. It really ain't working. What what we just got? I just I, I just got on the sculptor for the George Floyd uh Yeah, I just I just, I just I just seen that. Like why do I want to be reminded of a tragedy? Not 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 only that, man, you know, you, look at this, right? No shots at George Floyd. But check this out. Why are all the sculptors making those statues white? You understand what I'm saying? Like people benefit off our tragedy like I mean, it's unbelievable. Black Even the trauma, Martin, man. Black trauma is a business. I thought you knew. I call it the grievance industrial complex. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Look, yeah. even, the, even the Martin Luther King Memorial here in D.C., that monument was made in China. A Chinese sculptor made that. So while we sitting around talking about, yeah, no justice, no peace, everybody else is finding a way to monetize our pain and suffering. In fact, the pain and suffering of black heterosexual men has become political currency for people promoting agendas that have nothing to do with us whatsoever. You gotta take Black Lives Matter. Here's an organization that started with uh, Trayvon Martin and Mike Brown. So how does an organization that started because two young men, teenagers, who got killed, one by a security guard, the other by a cop, well, that dude wasn't even a security guard, man. I don't even want to give him but, that title, dude. But, so, oh, but, but we can move whatever, past that. What, what, whatever he was. Yeah. But how does an organization that began because of that turns into an organization to advance LGBTQ rights? You know, this is political sleight of hand here. If you want to make an organization called Gay Lives Matter, knock yourself out. But don't call it Black Lives Matter and just advocate for LGBTism. When you go on their web website, they talk about uh, destroying the nuclear family. Yeah, destroying the things. nuclear family. You you gotta you gotta understand something, right? Hmm. Black people always like to talk about what other people are doing. When you look at every other successful ethnic group, there's one constant with all of them. Doesn't matter their their race, their religion, none of that. The constant is a strong family unit. Anytime you see a successful group of people, there's a strong family unit. And I don't mean strong family in the sense of some alternative style family. I mean traditional family. There's gonna be the husband, the wife, the kids. Man, woman, child. Man, woman, child. And they push that 
and, and, and some succeed. I'm not saying everybody's happy in that situation. I look, man, but that's what it is and that's what works. Now for us to try some new type of family structure, we're like, we're like guinea pigs, man. We're, we're like the lab rats for these people with their social engineering and social experimentations. And we, we just got to be smarter than that. Be smart. let, let them do that with, them, with their own people. You know, but there's too many black people who are willing to facilitate our exploitation for, for some crumbs. Speaking of Black Lives Matter, those women who started that were black lesbians. One of them is in, in a relationship with a white woman. Another one is with, a, is with a black woman, but guess what? She's being scrutinized right now for all the money they saying. Yeah, the, all the money that's right now. You yeah. understand what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. yo, man, these people are not our people. They got their own agenda. They use our real, real issues to, for personal gain. For personal and we just got to get hip to it. I see a lot of brothers want to be activists. I, I'm not going to say no names, rappers. They can't make up their mind if they gang bangers or they street dudes or they just boot licking sycophants. And, and, and man, I see all of y'all. I will say uh, Talib Kweli, you understand what I'm saying? He is a goofball extraordinaire. He was on Twitter talking about Nazi this and Nazi that. He was sucking up the white liberals so hard. The minute some women got mad at him, they kicked him off of Twitter. All that ass kissing. And look, they still violated him. Same with Aerie Spears. At the end of the day, if you're a black man, a real black man, you got to be able to stand on your square, man, and know what you stand for. When you out here, man, waving with the breeze and you just going with whatever wave is popular, you're going to end up kind of screwed up, man. And you're taking shit off face value instead of doing the knowledge. Facts. You already know what it is, Goon, because we, we always been there, but there was a reason why I wanted to get you on because you know, not only, you know, you have a strong followership on, on Twitter, where it's to the point where, you know, Twitter has to shadow ban you sometimes because they feel All that the you're putting out too much truth. Um, which leads me to, you know, the the creation of SchoonTV.com. You know, so tell me the, you know, the idea and the meaning behind that and what was your reason for creating that? Well, here's the thing, right? In January, when they when Twitter suspended Trump's Twitter, right? A lot of people were happy. Like, yeah, they got Orange Man out of here. They needed to cut his Twitter off. You know, as a matter of fact, one time when we were filming, uh, they, 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 they were marching, talking about, we need a real leader, not a creepy tweeter. So his tweets really bothered a lot of people, right? <laughs> but what I realized is if they could do that to him, they could do that to any of us, you see? They could mm -hmm. do that to me. So right then, then and there on the spot, I decided I was gonna set up my own site so I could keep getting my word out. So I, I launched SchoonTV.com. SchoonTV.com is, is a, a news aggregator site, but I also have exclusive content, mm -hmm. articles written by published journalists. I have journalists who wrote for the, the Wall Street Journal, Forbes magazine, the Daily Caller, all excuse me, all kinds of papers, mm -hmm. Black Enterprise, everything, man. The Economist, all those people write for me. I paid them, you know, and I write for myself. Right. 
because I can write. I don't have a college degree or any of that. But if you re read my writings, you'll understand because believe it or not, the most popular article on my site was written by me. None of those professionals, you right. understand? Because yeah. I'm hitting certain subject matters. Not that I'm a better writer, but I'm more in tune with what my audience wants to hear. But it's not just about my audience, but also I have the site on my own server, which right. means I can host my own content, which mm -hmm. means people can't censor me. And I, and right. I, got a, I wanted to do that. And it's an unbiased site. I, I got, my editor is a liberal. I don't have anything against liberals. I don't hate liberals. I just hate people who are disingenuous about what they're about, who exploit mm. and trick black people. If you're straight up with us, you could be whatever you want and you're okay with me. It's the deception that I can't tolerate. You understand what I'm saying? So anyway, yeah. so I, I got journalists. Um, I got my pay subscribers. I got the primary and the presidential. And there's a lot of behind the scenes my interviews, I just inter interviewed the brother Tory Russell right. from Ferguson. And the things he told told me about um, Black Lives Matter, D-Ray McKesson and all, all that. that. Yeah. yeah, but you, you know, you got to go behind the paywall. I, I know. I you know. understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but tomorrow, I'm supposed to be, I don't want to talk too soon. The young brother who write for me, Barrington uh, Martin II, he mm -hmm. ran against John Lewis in... Um, in Georgia, he got the most votes against John Lewis in, than anybody ever. And John Lewis, for a lot of people who don't know, he's a, he's a civil rights activist who, who spent a whole career getting paid off of the fact that the police hit him in his head on the bridge with Martin Luther King back in the 60s, right? So anyway, Barrington is doing that. He, he's doing a podcast and his co-host, which is a surprise I won't say right now, Mm -hmm. If we pull this off tomorrow, it's going to blow the lid, and I'm going to uh, host it exclusively on my site, not YouTube. YouTube, people talk about you can make money on YouTube. That's fine and dandy. You can make money anywhere. Those people who make money on YouTube, they don't have any options because they don't own their server. I own my server. You own your when server. You own That's the server, key. When you own a server, you don't put your content on somebody else's server. That's for people who don't own a server. You mm -hmm. understand what I'm saying? So that, that's what I'm doing. I don't listen to people who don't move like I move, who don't play on the level that I play. They can have their opinions. They just don't understand what I'm doing because their options are different from my own. But everything I do, I do it so I can have some kind of independence. Independence and autonomy is mandatory for your liberation. As long as you got to do what other people are telling you, how can you really free yourself or free others? Hey, Scoon, OG, you already know how, uh, you know, how you and I move, man. You, uh, you know, you're somebody who I always come to when, you know, there's certain things I need to understand and sometimes just need, you know, good old fashioned talking, you know what I'm saying? You know, on, on some big bro status type things. Um, you know, I wanted to thank you just for coming on today, especially Father's Day, because there was a lot of uh, wisdom that needed to be uh, spread amongst, you know, you know, our kind, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Because they don't they don't normally hear it from a voice such as yours. And um, I just want to say, you know, thank you for always being there for me. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, always being a mentor, you know, always being an independent thinker. But uh, 
more importantly, you know, never bowing down and always following, you know, your own beat. You know what I'm saying? It's, it just shows me, you know, and shows other men that, you know, it, it can be done as long as you're, you know, you're strong and you're forthright. You understand what I'm saying? Facts. People need to understand that our, our, our relationship is reciprocal because whenever I need anything, man, yes. you, you right there. I'm working on my documentary. I needed a place to shoot. Who do I call? I call Salim. Salim make a call. And within 30 minutes, I got a location to interview my fighters. Get a, a, it's a boxing documentary called Born the Box. I'm making another documentary called American, American Dream. It's about Coleman and his journey. And, and you know, whenever I need a, even, even cameramen and stuff like that, I call you and you come through. So I want everybody to understand it's not a one-way street. You know what I mean? We support each other however Indeed. we can. And that's Indeed. more of us got to do that, man. Exactly. Enough of the cloud chasing. You got to build your network. You are part of my network. I am part of your network. Yes. And, it's, and that's how it works. You know what I mean? Like, it ain't always about what you can receive. Sometimes it's better to give than to receive, man. Exactly. You know, when you give, you show people, you know what? There's you people out here giving that man when you really give. Anybody that got any kind of coof about them, they'll be like, you know what, I got to keep that fella close because it ain't many like out here. There's a lot of people who love to take, but very, very few love to give. I, I see somebody talking about Africans are great. Listen, man, <laughs> my, my server, my server, I got so many people in Africa on my site. You know, the fact of the matter is when I launched School TV, uh, we had in the first week, we had visitors from over 70 countries mm -hmm. in the first month, visitors from over 3000 cities worldwide. Mm -hmm. Yo, I want this to be an international site. I'm, I'm, I'm aggressively pursuing overseas journalists. Now, why am I doing that? Because there's hot spots in the world. And what we get is not really information. Right. What we get is it's a lot of propaganda. It's a lot of propaganda. And yeah. I, want, I want journalists from Taiwan, from South Africa. I want to know what's really going on, not what CNN or MSNBC tells us. You understand Thank what I'm saying? And, yeah. and, and, and I, I hate to tout it as this, but the reality is, man, I don't know of another site like mine owned by someone who looks like me and you, man. I just don't. Every other website is dealing with celebrity gossip, entertainment, and those things are fine, right? Somebody right. got to do it because the people like to be entertained. But right. also, we need a source for reliable information, for some real, real data and education. And I balance. believe School TV is it. You dig what I'm balance. saying? Yeah. Indeed, balance, man. Uh, shit, man, you, you said it right then and there, School, man. Uh, I want to thank you for joining me on this Sunday, man. Tell the people how they can reach you and how they can support you, Schoon. Well, first I'm on Twitter, at Schoon TV. IG, at Schoon TV. Uh, LinkedIn, Curtis Schoon. Of course, we got uh, SchoonTV.com, man. Subscribe. Right. Become subscribe. a free subscriber if you don't want to pay. Check it out. Read the articles. I give opportunities to, to black folk. Matter of fact, Judge Joe Brown is my legal advisor. All I do is make strong moves, man. Strong moves that empower us, that serve us, whether it be the STEM program in Detroit, whether it be back in Coleman, 
All these people that want to say something negative about me, they don't know nothing about me, man. Yo, they, 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 they couldn't hold a candle to me. You understand? Because I'm in the trenches and I'm fighting for real. I, I got the heart they don't have. You, you dig what no. I'm saying? I, I, they, you you ain't got to tell me, school. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a witness. I, I know. I've been there side by side with you since since 2011, since 2012. So, you know, my... uh. My allegiance, you know, has never changed, has never wavered. So, you know, if anything, it just keeps getting stronger and stronger, brother. And I, I like I said, I, I thank you for joining me today. You got it, brother. Anytime you need me, I'm here. All, All right? right, that's what it is, Coon. You have a good one, man. All right, you too. The rest of y'all enjoy right. your day. All right, one. One. All right, y'all. That was uh, another informative bonus episode of Chopping It Up with the Conduit. You know, with our special guest, Mr. Curtis Schoon, a.k.a. Schoon TV. Yeah, he got a lot of nuggets. A lot of things said with his chest and from the heart. Man, he usually backs it up. A man of his word. Proud to call him my brother, my friend, you know, my OG, a mentor. You know, just fortunate to, to have certain people in your corner. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I want to thank my executive producer, Mika. You are the best. You know, my team, Myron and Adam, Brother D. King on, on the intro music. Shout out to Bink on the production. Uh, like you all know, we are on break. This one was just a special bonus episode we wanted to throw out to y'all. So, you know, be sure to continue to subscribe, share, rate, comment. We are on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podcasts on Vivo. Um, we are currently at 1500 plus subscribers again thank you so much for you know your support we are a year into this and uh, we plan on you know making more moves uh again shout out to grown fresh nyc thank you for the cloth y'all want to get some art holla at citizens c-i-t-i-z-i-n-s and again man, y'all be safe y'all be good to each other and Always check on each other at the same time. Until next time, we'll see y'all in July. Peace. I never dream my first name with fiends. Dated five bank tellers, the book of my life reads. Water fountain, no, now the money fountain close. Drake about a window, pre-Mac and Malcolm on. Honda's over potholes, no pop the pissing. Rich or poor, depending if they got your pops in prison. Early morning samples, nigga, chop it up. Uncut or the scramble, nigga, chop it up. Got the line.